We're, uh, we're continuing our series on the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God. We're calling this series, Hello, for all you Adele fans out there. And uh, if you weren't here last week, we talked about um, the motives that we ought to have in our relationship and pursuit of God, specifically as it relates to hearing His voice. And how we so often can come to God and seek to simply get something out of God or hear something specific or have this big um, calling revealed to us when in reality the, our communication with God um, is built upon the bedrock of communion with Him and relationship with Him. Um, so last week we talked about the motives. So starting this week now, we are going to go through this series and talk about the methods which I'm sure many of you are itching to hear. We're going to talk about the ways in which we can hear God and what we can do practically to fine-tune our ears to hear His voice, but also how God speaks um, as it relates to a variety of different ways of communicating. And as we begin talking about uh, methods, there's only one place we can really actually— Whoa, my microphone. Hang on, people. Disregard. We do. Somebody's going rogue up here. Rogue one in the house. Sorry about that. Don't mind the awkwardness. Just going to let the awkwardness sit a little bit longer. Just simmer. Simmer in that. All right. That should be good. Cool. So anyway, there's only one place we can really start um, as it... I'm sorry, guys. Wow. Just falling apart over here. Okay. You just eat your bagel, drink your coffee. Nothing to see up here. Okay, Um, there's only one place really that we can start as it relates to um, the methods that we are to hear the voice of God, and that is Scripture. Um, We're going to look this morning at how specifically God speaks to us through Scripture and through the written word of Scripture. Um, The Bible is foundational in our ability to hear God. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that um, if we don't understand how God speaks in his word, that is the written scriptures, the Bible, then we are going to have a very, very difficult time hearing his voice in all of the other ways he speaks. I know we can seek to hear God um, maybe specifically and uniquely through our souls, you know, those sensings that we get, or through relationships, the conversations we have, or circumstances, and And uh, it can be a variety of different ways, but if we don't first understand that God speaks through Scripture and how He speaks through Scripture, then it's going to be very, very difficult in fine-tuning our ears to hear His voice. So as we explore this topic, this message this morning is called The Word and the Voice. So if you're taking notes, that's what we got, and I would strongly recommend that you do take notes this morning and throughout this series we're going to cover some ground here. The word and the voice. And as we begin, let's come before our God and let's pray and let's surrender and submit this morning to him. Father, here we are. Once again, we pray the prayer of Samuel. Here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, your son is listening. Your daughter is listening. We are here for you. We're here to hear your voice, God. And we ask that as we lean in and tune our ears to hear your voice, we pray that specifically as we study the scriptures 
and posture our hearts to be in a position where we can hear from you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us clearly. We ask, O Lord, that you um, would download your revelation, your truth to us this morning, and I pray that we would hear it. God, as we talk through these ideas, would you cause the soil of our heart to be soft and pliable and sensitive before you? And I pray that every truth that's spoken, everything we find in Scripture, I pray that it would all um, fall on the good soil of our heart and bear fruit. And we admit, Holy Spirit, that we're dependent on you to speak to us and to lead us into all truth and guide us into your righteousness and in the way everlasting. So this morning, we ask that you would make us lie down in green pastures. Living God, would you lead us beside still and quiet waters? Would you restore our soul? Regardless of the circumstances of our lives, we cast those aside right now and we look to you and remember that you are the God who gives life and hope and peace and healing and redemption to all who call upon you. And so we pray that you'd speak to us and we give this morning to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, in, uh, in relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, there's different ways of communicating, isn't there? There's obviously verbal communication, like what we're doing right now. Um, beyond that, there's, uh, there's body language, right? You can tell a lot from a person in their conversation by their body language. Um, or uh, or may- maybe like some facial expressions. If you wink at a person, you're not saying anything, but you are saying something. You know what I'm saying? If you go to a girl and you're like, hey, my name is Josh. Or for those of you who can't wink, you know, <laughs> hey, my sister has to do that. That's communicating something, right? And so there's different ways of communicating. But, but once we cross into the realm of marriage, there is a little something called nonverbal eye contact that serves as a way of communication. And uh, I've been married almost three years, which isn't a long time, but it's long enough for me to realize that, um, you know, a look and some eye contact can mean something. And there's been multiple times when I'm in a conversation with, you know, it's me and my wife, JC, and a couple of our friends, and we're sitting and we're talking, and it's the part of the conversation where you're sharing stories, right? It's like, oh, the other day this happened, and then this happened. Oh, that's so great. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. And you're sharing stories, and then it gets to your turn. And sometimes I'm, I'm just thinking, i got to share a story. Uh, what do I share? And so I just start you know, without thinking, going into this embarrassing story, not about me, but about JC. And again, I'm not thinking, I know, it's unwise and it's stupid. And, and as I'm starting into it, like, you know, I'm talking to my friends and looking them in the eyes, but then I, uh, you know, eventually glance over to JC, and, and she has like this, where are you going with this kind of look on her face? Like, is this the story I think it is? And then once I get to a certain point, She gives me this eye contact that is like, oh, you better not finish the story. You better stop right now. And and then, you know, as soon as I get that look, abort, abort, we're done, we're done. Okay, yeah, just kidding. That that, that was about me. That wasn't about Jay. However, trying trying to salvage it, but there's a such thing as nonverbal communication. There's, There's a variety of ways in which we communicate. And in our relationship with God, uh, I want to kick to you guys this morning that it's the exact same way. That God speaks to us in a variety of different ways in our relationship with Him. 
And we're going to see that over the course of these next few weeks. Um, We're going to explore the different ways that God speaks to us. But um, none of these ways is more important and more foundational um, and, and more pertinent to our lives with him than in the way he speaks through Scripture. Scripture is a huge way that he speaks to us. And um, whether we've been in church for um, a day or a decade, we've all heard the Bible interchangeably used as the Word of God, haven't we? I mean, everywhere you go in church, people, you know, what'd you read in the Word this week? Well, they're saying, what'd you read in the Bible this week? Or, man, I, I, I was reading the Word, or I was, you know, I was reading the Scriptures, and this stood out. Well, we, we interchangeably use the Bible as this term, the Word of God. And though it's mainstream, and though it's a huge part of our lingo in the church, I would argue that many people don't actually know how God speaks through His Word. I think it's something that we kind of think, okay, yeah, the Bible, I know it's important, and I know it's a Christian discipline, and I know I've been told my life that I need to wake up every morning and spend X amount of time in Scripture. So I know there's a place for Scripture. I know there's a place for the Bible, but how God speaks, I, I, don't, I don't know. And so I think that, that the idea and the topic of God speaking and the voice of God being able to be heard through Scripture, I think, is a difficult and a confusing one at times. And so um, because of that, I think many of us—man, I'm still having microphone trouble, people. Falling apart here. Sorry about that. So if I keep fidgeting, just disregard— But um, I think because we struggle sometimes with really knowing how God speaks through his scriptures, we then are forced to implement these unreliable ways um, of hearing God through scripture. A couple of these ways is, uh, you ever heard somebody say, man, I I was was reading scripture, and man, that that scripture is good. Mm." Like, that's good. That, That really, like, got to me. And they're talking about, like, the feeling that they got. We're often, we read the Bible, and when we crack open the scriptures and we read, I don't know, I'm just going to open something. Song of Solomon. That's where I just flipped. All right, so here we go. (laughs) Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind your, mm, yes, Lord. It's the, it's the feeling, right? We feel, this is perfect. I mean, that wasn't even like, I didn't even try. That's great. The Song of Solomon, people. You know, your teeth are like the flock of goats descending on Mount Gilead. Oh, whew, man, that feels good. We can often read the scriptures and, and, and feel like God's speaking to us just because it's a feeling, right? Because we feel a certain way. We can also play a little game of Bible roulette, which is exactly what I just did. You just open the Bible and lo and behold, Song of Solomon, mm, glory. And, uh, and you, you, you think that, okay, well, the verse I'm going to read right now when I open this Bible is what God wants to speak to me. Boom. Okay, well, now I'm in First Chronicles 12. Okay, so, you know, there are unreliable ways. Another way is reading a verse and just assuming that it applies to you. Like, everything in the passage applies to you. I think that's a poor method of biblical interpretation, but I think it's an it's a unreliable way in which we can hear or attempt to hear God's voice because we don't really understand how God speaks through his word. And though we know that God speaks and though we know, again, that there's a place for scripture, we're not quite sure how. And so the question that I want to dive in this morning with is how. 
how does God speak through the scriptures? How exactly uh, is the Bible the word of God? How does that work? And there's a lot of nuancing that goes with this topic. You can talk about canonization. You can talk about inspiration. You can talk about all these different things. But I want to just get down to the nitty-gritty of things and talk about how practically, when you open your Bible in the morning or at night, how God can speak to you through it. Sound good? Um, and as much as I want to, you know, stay in Song of Solomon, man, I, I, feel like, I feel like that'd be a good thing to read. You know, my beloved, you are mine, and all that. Oh, we're going to move forward. So let's go, to, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture, everybody say all. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is the purpose, that the man of God may be equipped or complete for every good work. This is a pretty integral passage of Scripture right here, but in it, 2 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul essentially illuminates this profound reality of Scripture. He's talking about the nature of Scripture, the nature of the Word of God, the Bible, and he says to explain what Scripture is and, and, and how we are to use it. He says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, the breath of God. This is a huge theological word. The Greek word is uh, theopneustos. This idea, literally, God breathed the breath of God that's on the scriptures. The same breath, if we think about Genesis 1, the same breath and voice that spoke and breathed the universe into being. That same breath that was used to say, let there be light, and there was light. That same breath that stooped down and made man and, and out of the dust and breathed life into man and women and caused them to live. That same breath was the breath that breathed on the scriptures. The theopneustos, the breath of God. God breathed, and it's speaking specifically about inspiration, this process that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the Word. That the Bible isn't just something that this group of guys who saw Jesus got together and said, hey, we kind of need a handbook here. We're a little bit lost. We don't know how to live. So, so we, need to, we need to take this and we need to write some things down. So let's, let's write, I don't know, an epistle to the Romans. And, and okay, sure, um, let's, let's write to the Galatians. And, you know, if we really want to get crazy, let's write this epistle about revelation and what God's going to do in the last days and all these things. And, uh, you know, it's a handbook. It's just a guide. But instead, we see that beyond that, the Bible is breathed out by God. It's not simply a handbook for life. Pastors and teachers have called it this love letter between God and man. No, it's not that. It is breathed out. It is inspired. The breath of God. Theopneustos. The breath of God. God breathed. And so it's not this handbook, but it's sacred and it's divine. And there's some way that's mysterious that we encounter God through the scriptures and we hear his voice speak to us. And thus, because it is the very breath of God, the very voice of God, this word of God is perfect. 
Because if we think a bit philosophically for a second, if in fact God, the God that we serve, the God who made us, the God who breathed on and inspired scripture, if this God is perfect and completely void of sin and completely 100% holy, well then that would mean that every single thing he says is what? Holy and truthful. That means that this God who is holy and infinitely perfect cannot possibly speak falsehood. He can't say one thing and then mean another thing. He can't say one thing over here and then say the exact opposite over here, but that everything that comes out of the mouth of God is pure and is perfect and is truthful. And therefore, if the scriptures are in fact theopneustos, God breathed, then that means that every single thing, every word, every passage, every letter of scripture is what? Perfect and truthful, and infallible, void of error. And I think this is important because God no doubt speaks to us in different ways, as we're going to unpack in future weeks. God speaks in the, the intimacy and in the openness of our soul. God speaks through people. We've probably all had conversations with people, and we leave thinking, wow, God, was that you? Were you in that? Was that something that I needed to hear um, other things, um, God speaks to us um, through, um, through circumstances even sometimes. I mean, though that's a bit of a more unreliable way, God does, in fact, speak to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through a variety of different ways, but all of these ways that we just mentioned are somewhat fallible. I'm saying somewhat because as we seek to hear God in them, we can't be so sure that all of these things that are around us are infallible or perfect, Right? You can't have a conversation with somebody and immediately assume that this is an infallible conversation you're having, that everything this person is speaking is true. That would be crazy. And so the other ways that we hear God speak to us are somewhat fallible, but the word of God is infallible. This is the only means of communication that we can go straight to beyond our interpretation and see that God is, in fact, speaking 100% infallible, perfect, and pure truth. And so, therefore, it should be and ought to be and is the most trustworthy voice of God in our lives. We can go to God By other means, God can speak to us by other means, but because the very nature of the scriptures are infallible, it should and ought to be the most trustworthy voice of God in our lives. And so the big point I want to present to you guys this morning is the infallible scriptures serve as the primary voice of God in our lives. The infallible scriptures, the perfect, the pure, the scriptures that are completely void of error serve as the primary voice of God in our lives. And this is a concept, a principle that theologians term the centrality of scripture. See, the word is our solid footing. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is our firm foundation of truth upon which we stand. But, but I want to take a second and listen to me when I say this, young adults, because this is the most, what I'm about to say is the most important principle, I would argue, that you can hear in your relationship with God. 
the most foundational principle we can put into practice and, and keep in mind as we walk with God is that every circumstance, every inner voice, every situation, every sense of divine guidance that we think we're hearing must be in line and must be built upon the truth of Scripture. Because again, the things around us and the way we feel like God may be speaking in other ways apart from Scripture are somewhat fallible. But scripture is completely perfect and trustworthy and sound. And so every single thing we hear must be put through this supreme filter of scripture. Everything you feel like God's calling you to in your life. Every sense of divine guidance, every conversation you have must be built upon the word of God. And I think people can get so kooky and so off And so unorthodox in their walk with God and in their faith, we've all had people around us like that. You have a conversation with them, and you're like, you're talking about God like this, but I don't don't know about that. That's a little weird. You know, that that sounds funky. Well, it's because they're straying away from the sound, biblical, infallible word of God and the truth that we find in it. And in a postmodern world, I think this is a huge principle to understand. Because in a society where everybody around us is saying, what's true for you is true for you, man, and what's true for me is true for me. You know, subjective truth, relativism. That that everything, you know, it's all subjective, bro. It's all subjective. I've had friends like that. Like, bro, it's all subjective, man. Just chill. But in fact, there is something that we know as believers that is completely objective, and that is completely absolute, and that it completely applies to every single person on the face of the earth. And what is it? Scripture, the Word, the infallible words of God. And think about it for a second. God, in His wisdom, gave us the Scriptures. God, in his wisdom, and even in his kindness and grace and love, gave us the absolute, infallible scriptures. Because imagine a world of us trying to follow Jesus Christ without the scriptures. Then, if anybody said, man, God told me this, well, okay. God must have told you that if you're saying that. That's what we call the big God stick in theology. You say, God spoke to me this. Well, okay, well... If that's God, who am I to argue against God, right? God told me that, man, marriage is just kind of whatever, and that I can kind of sleep with anybody I want. Like, God told me, well, okay. If God told you that, hey, who am I? Like, imagine, imagine that. If there wasn't scripture and, and wasn't the, the absolute truth that you shouldn't commit sexual immorality, that all, of, all other sins a man commits, uh, you know, is, is outside the body, but those who sin against their body and commit sexual immorality— you know, as a sin, like, can you imagine if that didn't exist? If the, the, if the written word of Scripture, the infallible truth of God, was void in our lives? And so God, in his wisdom and in his love, and as a way of empowering and enabling us to live this life that he has for us, gave us the concrete, sacred Scriptures so that we can know what truth is. And I'm not saying that the Bible contains complete truth, because it doesn't. We, we can find truth even through science, and we may do a series on that in the future. There is truth out there in nature that really isn't existent in the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk about the anatomy of the human heart. You know, the Bible doesn't delve into all the intricacies of the cosmos, but we know through other means of truth. Now, we've got to keep those, you know, loosely and, and take them with a grain of salt because they're fallible voices, right, that are proposing those to us. But 
There are other ways that God speaks, but, but the scriptures are the foundation, the, the supreme filter in which we put all other voices through. And that's through the wisdom and the love of God. And, and I think if we're serious, like really, really serious about fine-tuning our ears to hear God's voice and to really leaning in and having God speak to us, then we must begin by recognizing the place that Scripture plays and the role that it plays in our lives. That it's not just some discipline, it's not just something that we do because, you know, we're kind of taught that and it's a Christian tradition, but we read it because it, it, it is truth, it is uh, sacred, it is foundational in us hearing God in every other means in our life. And, and honestly, I'm a bit suspicious of people who come to me and tell me, how do I hear God's voice better? Well, I always tell them, well, are you, are you reading the scriptures? Like, are you in the word, you know, fairly regularly, daily at least? No, I mean, eh, kind of, but, but I really want to hear God speak to me. You can't tell me that you want to hear God speak to you authentically and sincerely if you're not in the scriptures, because scripture, as we saw, centrality of scripture, it's the primary way that God speaks to us. And so we don't have the luxury to kind of throw the Bible aside and say, eh, you know, that, yeah, I, I, I believe some of it, but God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to just speak to me, God? And I think the whole time God's saying, pick up your freaking Bible. Read what I'm saying to you in scripture. And if you go to this, and if you dedicate and commit your life to this, then I'll reveal to you more. But if you don't have the bedrock of Scripture and supreme truth to build your walk with me upon, then if I speak to you, how are you going to know that it's truth? You know, so every voice we hear, again, has to be built on the supreme word of Scripture. So that's kind of the why. That's, that's why the Scripture acts as the voice of God. Now, I want to I crack into the how, like we promised. How does God speak to us? So there's two primary ways that God speaks to us through Scripture. The first one is he speaks to us objectively. And we call this the general voice. When we open Scripture, every single story, every single passage, I would argue every single verse has a general principle that surrounds it. Now, you got to remember, Scripture was written in a specific historical context. Every book of the Bible was written by a, a specific person living in a specific historical context, living in a specific cultural context in society, writing with specific linguistics, okay? Old Testament written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. And so every chapter, yes, there's specifics to it, but we as 21st century believers, ought to step back and see the general principle, what God's speaking to us generally, because the specifics may vary, and the specifics may even uh, not be for us today, I would argue. There's a lot in Scripture that doesn't specifically apply to us today, but there is always a general principle that we can draw that applies to us. Let me give you an example. John 2, when Jesus turns water into wine— his first miracle, the only water into wine miracle that's recorded in the Gospels. If we read that and, and, and look at the specifics and hone in on the specifics, okay, Jesus turned water into wine. Well, does that mean that anytime I'm thirsty and uh, I, when I run out of wine or grape juice in my house, that all I need to do is just pour, Bruce Almighty style, like pour something and water turns into, you know? That must mean then, if we're focusing on the specifics, that anytime I'm thirsty and I ask God, he's going to turn water into wine for me. Right? 
Well, okay, that's a specific. That doesn't necessarily apply to us specifically. And that's where we need to keep things in mind. Because if we go to the Bible and constantly seek specifics and look at the specific principles and apply to us, then we get into some orthodox and funky theology. But what we need to see is in in John chapter 2, Jesus meets the need of the bride and the groom. When they were in a position where the wine runs dry and they're subject to this extreme public humiliation, because that's exactly what it was, culturally, to run out of wine or food at a wedding is, is embarrassing. I mean, now it is, but then, especially, it, it, it causes shame. It causes embarrassment. And so Jesus, in his love and compassion, spared them of that shame and that embarrassment and met their needs and provided for them. That's the general principle. Then we can go to that and see, though God may not turn water into wine for me every single day, we do have the promise that, that he's going to meet needs, that God is a, a providing God, a, 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 a need-meeting God. So, so the beautiful reality about Scripture to me is that as much as we want to hear the specific words for our lives, like we talked about last week, God give me direction. God, give me clarity on who I'm supposed to marry. God, the degree, psychology, nursing, maybe science, engineering. You know, we can go to God and ask these things. Those are specifics. But the beauty about Scripture is that even if we don't get specific words for our lives, we can crack open this bad boy and open it, and God can speak to us in the general principles. And we can read Jeremiah. We can read... Uh, Matthew, we can read Mark, we can read every single book of the Bible. There are general principles for us that God speaks through. And though so, we often want to hear the specific and hear the things that are uh, pertinent to us and specific to us, God always can speak to you through the general principles of Scripture. So that's the first way. Does that make sense? I think that's really important to keep in mind because I've met people who so often gravitate towards the specificity of the text. And I think you can get in trouble when you do that. So I want to encourage you as you're reading scripture, ask the questions, what is the general principle here? What do I see about the character of God in this passage that applies to me specifically? And, uh, and, and go, crack open commentaries, go to pastors, ask questions, you know, do research on the topic. Because with that, then that will help crystallize, um, you know, the, the, the specific text and passages that you're studying so that you don't get off in the trenches believing something that really the text isn't saying in the first place. So that's the general voice, objectively. Now, here's where I'm sure you guys want to lean in and listen. Uh, he also speaks to us, number two, subjectively, which is the specific voice. God does speak to us specifically at times in Scripture, and this is only by the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, one thing to keep in mind here is that the subjective will always, 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 always say always. Say always. always. The subjective, the specific word will always be in line with the objective, with the general word. Because again, God can't be saying two different things that are contradictory. God is a God of truth. And so if you're reading and you see a general principle in Scripture, and you feel like you receive something specifically, well, that has to go through the filter of the objective voice. Make sense? Because again, the objective voice is our sure foundation and our truth. And so 
Um, something that we have to be really careful about when we go to the text and when we go to Scripture is exuding our own will upon the text. You ever done that before? Where you go and you're really wanting to hear a voice of clarity about something. You're really wanting to get direction about a relationship. You're really wanting direction on your finances. You really want an answer about this area of your life. And we go and we crack open the Scriptures and we really dig in looking for that. And then I think when we go in with a secondary agenda in mind, like we talked about last week, then we exude our will over the text. And we're, we're then reading everything through a particular lens that I don't think we should read it through. And so we ought to be very careful that um, we're not seizing the scriptures. That we're not going to it and saying, okay, God, um, you need to speak to me about my future wife because I am burning. Speak to me. Okay, God's going to speak to me about my future wife. Here we go. And you jump in. Well, you know, what's to say that God won't speak to you about your future wife? Ever thought about that? Why does God have to speak to you about your future wife right now? Maybe it's better, actually, that you live in obscurity and live with the question so that he can work on your character first before you have the specific answer. Because really, if you have the specific answer and you start running with it when your character's flawed, then you're going to mess it up anyway down the road. So God, in his grace and love, is maybe withholding from you an answer so that then you don't train wreck the good thing that he's given you in the future. Make sense? So, we so often can come and exude our will over the text, but there is something to be said. There is something that happens that theologians throughout the centuries, believers throughout the centuries can attest to. Something that happens when we go to the word with humility and with hunger, and instead of us seizing the text and exuding our will over the text, the text all of a sudden miraculously and unexpectedly seizes us. And then we're not reading scripture, but the scriptures, it feels like, is reading us. And it's this thing that happens, again, when we're not going with a secondary agenda and when we're not forcing God to speak to us about one thing, but we come to him humbly as a son and as a daughter and say, Abba, you're here. You're with me. You love me. You speak to me. A good father doesn't shut his mouth at his children. If, if his children really need to hear something, the Father will speak. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide me into your truth this morning. Speak to me what you desire. And as we do that, very, very often, I think you'll find that the text will seize you, that the text will begin reading you. Hebrews, the Word of God is alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing, piercing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Scripture reads us. And so, when God speaks to us specifically in Scripture, um, I think the prerequisite is often humility and hunger and obedience and I should say a commitment to obey whatever God speaks to you. And saying right off the bat, Lord, I commit. Whether I like this word or whether I don't. Whether it feels good or whether it doesn't. I commit my all and my obedience to you. And I don't have to hear a word about this. And I don't have to hear a word about that. But God, you speak to me what you desire. And as we do that, I think you will be very surprised. Pleasantly surprised at how often Abba by the Holy Spirit, will speak to you through the written word of Scripture. Here's one way we can do that. I want to encourage you guys in this. Um, a, a great way to posture yourself before God and to make yourself available. Because really often in the Christian life, 
We can get so busy and cluttered and spend five minutes in the Word and expect God to download this big truth and revelation to us when really we never made space for Him in the first place. So when we make space for Him, He speaks. And so one way that we can make space for Him is engaging in this practice of reading the scriptures that the, that the church has been practicing for hundreds, arguably thousands of years. And it's called Lectio Divina. You can, we can put that up on the screen. Lectio Divina. It's this ancient practice of reading the scriptures. And it entails four different steps. It entails reading. And, and reading answers the question, what does the text say? What's the general principle in the text? Notice that's number one. Then there's meditation. What do you hear God saying to you specifically through the text? And again, whatever comes out in meditation has to be in line with what the text is actually saying. Okay, so keep that in mind. The third step is prayer. God, what do you, what do you want to say? Sorry, that's what it is. What do you want to say to God about the text? What do you have to say? How, what's your response to your Abba Father, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus Christ about what you just heard? And finally, the last, and I would argue most important step, is action. James says, be doers of the word. What are you doing with the word you just received? Because often in our lives with God, it's like school. And track with me while I say that, okay? Um, because a lot of you are jaded right now, and you got that glazed-over look on your face, like, bro, I'm just ready to be done. I, got, I had senioritis three years ago. Just get me out of here. But, but our walk with God is often like school in that if he gives us a word and something to put into practice in our lives and a test in our faith and we fail it, well, in his goodness, he's going to say, okay, let's come back around the bush. Let's, let's, let's learn this again. Okay, sexual purity. Let's learn this. Okay, back around the bush, back around the bush. Here we go, here we go. Okay, sexual purity. Okay, let's go back around the bush. And he'll, he'll teach us we can't move on to second grade until we're done with first grade. And we can't move on to fifth grade until we're done with fourth grade. And so God, in his love, teaches us and brings us around the bush. And so the the step of action is so important because it it causes us to ante up. We're not just hearing God to hear God or to feel good or to even carry the spiritual badge or merit that we hear God. But the very purpose of hearing God is to do what he says and to actually put it into practice, right? To be obedient, And so this practice of Lectio Divina allows us to not just rush through the text and and exerting our will over the text, but it allows us to make space before God and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Read the text. God, what are you saying? Meditating. Taking time. Take 10, 15, 20 minutes in the meditation phase and just sit in the stillness and in the quiet. What are you saying? God, here's what I want to say to you. Now I commit to doing all that you've spoken to me. You know, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says um, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the word has this nourishing effect to it. The word is our food. And so often in our walk with God, we can be so busy and so preoccupied with other things that we just scarf it. Okay, I got five minutes. I got five minutes. Here we go. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, great. And that's it. But Lectio Divina allows us to sit and make space and savor the word. So that, yeah, okay, when we rush through it, I think there's still a nourishing factor that happens. You're still getting truth that penetrates your soul. You're still, there's still something that happens there, but it's scarfing. 
It's scarfing down the food. Whereas if you just take a second and you pause and you make space and you just savor the word, that's what meditation does. You just, you savor it. When a verse or when a word pops out to you, you hone in on that and you savor it. Mm. God, what does it mean? Psalm 23, that you would, or Psalm 139, that you would lead me in the way everlasting. What does that mean? The way everlasting, purity, holiness, righteousness. You're savoring the text. Lectio Divina allows us to get nourished and to savor it. And in the savoring and in the space and in the margin, God speaks, usually specifically. Because I think we can all relate to this. Let me play out a scenario here. All of us can relate to, uh, to sitting down in our quiet time, right? You're, you find your cozy spot, you go to your chair, you go to your couch, your prayer closet, whatever, and you sit and you're like, mm, okay, God, speak to me. Here we go. You read your scripture, you're like, that's good. All right, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Okay, Instagram. Here we go. And we just breeze through it and, and, and we're frustrated that we're not hearing the voice of God. But practicing Lectio Divina, making space, giving margin to God, actually allows us to hear his voice and not to rush through things, but to make space for him. And I think you'll be amazed that the more you make space, the more you will actually fine-tune your ears to hear the voice of God. And you walk out of a time with the Lord and say, wow, God definitely spoke to me. It lines up with the text, it lines up with objective scripture, it lines up even with the voices around me. God, what are you doing? And then it's this amazing thing where you are actually communicating with the creator, with the one who made you, with the one who knows you. And so making space is so important in our walk with the Lord. So how do we hear the voice of God? We'll wrap up here. How do we hear God's voice? Well, we have the promise that every time we pick up scripture, God's going to speak to us. Though whether it's generally and objective or whether it's specifically and subjective, subjective not meaning relative, but when we pick up the scripture and when we read it, there's, we have the promise that God does and will speak to us through it. And I want to make it clear that the general voice is no less the voice than the specific voice. Because I think we so often can hone in on the specific voice. What do you want to say to me, God? And anytime we don't feel the specific voice, we all of a sudden feel like God's not speaking. Oh, I got the Bible? No, I want the specific voice. I don't want to read scripture. Be careful. Because the general voice is no less the voice than the specific voice. And so anytime you crack open scripture, God is speaking to you. And it may not be in the way you want to hear, but it is the voice of God. And it's the way that he wants to speak to you. And this voice of scripture is the voice, when we think about it, that has spoken to countless people, countless believers throughout the ages. Billy Graham, Martin Luther, Calvin, the early church fathers, these people, these sages, believers throughout the ages have heard God speak through scripture. And so we as 21st century believers can handle the words of scripture and know that this is reliable and it is sound and that it is trustworthy. And we can in fact hear the voice of God. And it's the very voice that is sacred and that has led God's people throughout the centuries. And to me, I like that way more than the specific voice. The fact that I can read something that believers have been reading for thousands of years and I can engage in a practice that the church has practiced really since its existence. Man, I, I opt for that. I opt for the, for the trustworthy and the reliable. 
But the big idea here is that before we go seeking other ways to hear God's voice, which we're going to, and before we talk about how the Spirit speaks and and what's the place of our soul and where does wisdom come into play and circumstances and people, we're going to get to all that. But before we get to all that, I think we need to get very, very comfortable with hearing God speak through Scripture. So let's pray together. And let's respond. Abba, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your scripture is truth. We thank you that it is life. We thank you that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, our sure foundation, our footing, and that we know truth because of your scriptures. And so, Father, we want to repent right now for any attitude in us that has tossed aside your holy word. Lord, we want to repent of any ingrained and innate perspective and paradigm that, would, that has held the word of God in lethargy or loosely or, or just counting it as kind of a common thing. But God, we thank you for your holy scriptures. We thank you that it is truth. We thank you that it's life. And we thank you that you speak to us through it and that we're not left alone to our own demise, to figure things out in a fallen and broken world, but that you not only sent Jesus and not only sent the Spirit, but you sent us canonized and infallible and perfect scriptures that we can hear your voice through. So God, would you help us to fine-tune our ears to hear your voice through the written word of God. We ask that as we discuss that you would allow the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart to be pleasing to you and help us to do everything that you've commanded us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, because I'm a long-winded kind of speaker, uh, I'm going to cut discussion a little bit short. You guys got about five, maybe eight minutes to talk through, so don't rush it. Don't hurry. I mean, I know it's, a, it's not a lot of time, but answer the ones that you see fit, and then we'll pick it up with our benediction here in a couple minutes, all right? Much love. All right, guys, you can bring those discussions to a close. Was this helpful? Was it good? Helpful? Good. Good, good. Um, it's important, an important idea. I think we all, even if it's a reminder for many of you, it's so important to keep it in mind as we seek to hear the voice of God in our day-to-day lives. And um, next week, Pastor Gabe Jenkins is going to be in the house speaking to us. Um, he, from what I understand, is going to be talking about becoming more aware of the Spirit and His voice to each and every one of us. And if you don't know, Pastor Gabe, he is a stud. He has a lot of experience in hearing the Lord, and he's got some cool stories and truths to share to us next week. So let's all stand, and uh, we're going to do our benediction. And our benediction is going to be our prayer from last week, the, the morning prayer, the liturgy that the church has prayed for hundreds of years, the thanksgiving for the word of God. So let's all pray this together um, out loud, strong. Let's say it. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light upon our paths, and a strength to our lives. Take us and use us to love and serve all people in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.